coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. In your newly rented home, alone for now, with roommates weeks away, there's nothing to keep you company in the dead hours of the night. Except for that macabre painting you noticed when you arrived. The one at the end of the hall. A grim scene of highway murder. It shares the idle hours with you. And in the silence, things are beginning to stir. Something dead is pulling itself through its painted prison and into your hallway. And it's walking toward your room. From insane asylum key masters to Hawaiian spirit seduction. On this episode of Belief Hole, we pull at the threads of the ever-thinning veil as we arrive halfway to Halloween to bring you true and terrifying tales of the inexplicable and the unknown. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Like, close the door, in. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Felt, Magicians are Demons, Specters, Spirit Summonings, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hey there. Welcome to Beliefful. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And today we have a special, extra special. It's always special for you. But it's super special because it's Strange Listener Stories, yes, but it is halfway to Halloween. Yep, I was imagining it that there. That's why we're doing special extra Strange Listener Stories. An extra special or a special extra? Well, it's both because we kind of did one relatively recently. So we're doing one a little early than normal. Yeah, we usually wait a few episodes in between to cover some other legends and mysteries. But today, today is special. Yes, yeah, so we figured this was a good opportunity to dive back into the strange world of people's personal experiences who listen to the show. Because it is halfway to Halloween. Spooky time of year. Actually, today, this episode should be coming out just after Friday the 13th and one day before the exact halfway point to Halloween. So it's a very special time indeed. The middle ground between paranormal situations. It's a special time indeed. So we're going to do a little trick-or-treat, if you will. Hmm. A summertime trick-or-treat of strange but true stories. On this episode coming up, we've got Insane Asylum Gatekeepers, Hawaiian Succubi, mm. Murderous Paintings, Jonathan. That one looks pretty creepy. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, the follow-up email was pretty disturbing. I read that read at like that? three in the morning and yeah. I was like, oh, that's dark. <laughs> so you don't open the Bleafful email after midnight. We're actually going to start with that story because oh, it's one, cool. of my, one of my favorites. Uh, we have Aquapulsing Entities. As well as a couple great tales from our friends Lil and Fitz over at the Knock Once for Yes podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Ding, ding. Excellent podcast. They have a couple accounts of Static Spirits. Yeah, static entities. Never heard of that before. That's going to be really interesting to get into. As well as visitors from the other side. 
So stick around for that. Absolutely. And by the way, before we get into it, people on YouTube that are listening, if you're mm. new to the channel, we're just finally starting to get some traction there. So if you could do us a massive favor and hit the like button. Yeah. That subscribe, would be awesome. Subscribe and then click that little bell button so you get notified. And by the way, if this premiered today and you're listening to this on audio, go to our YouTube channel because what we're trying to do is do a live premiere where you get to chat with us in the chat while we play the episode live on YouTube. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun. We hang out in the chat. We all get to know each other. And it's a great time. So go to our YouTube channel. It'll probably be at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, so if you want to interact while you're watching or listening to the episode, yeah, it's good. It's a ton good, of fun. Good to do. Awesome. Let's get into some stories. Yes! All right, we're going to start this episode with an excellent tale from Thomas Stilwell. Yes. Uh, and I call this The Painting and the Swordsman. People think I'm crazy when I tell this story, but it's 100% true. When I was in my early 20s, I was working full-time and was going to college for criminal justice. I moved into an older, 70s suburban house with two other roommates who were doing the same. The house wasn't anything spooky-looking, just a typical four-bedroom block house with an open kitchen and living room in the middle, set in a nice neighborhood near the college. The house was owned by the father of one of the roommates, who was a doctor. He kept a lot of old medical records in the house and collected old war memorabilia, including a 14-foot-wide, 8-foot-tall painting of a family of travelers being pulled from their carriage and murdered by highwaymen in the late 1700s. That's a weird painting. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird one to have On presented in, in a room that large, 14 feet? That's very dark. Length. Maybe yeah. they come from a long line of highwaymen. Well, we'll get into this after the story, but it was sort of a theme back then. It was a horrific thing, and no one could stand to look at it. It hung proudly in a little sitting room right off the front entrance to the house. My roommate's father said that the frame alone was worth over $10,000, and we were not to even go near it. I did some research and found that this type of painting was randomly common in the 18th century, although I could find no information about this particular painting. I moved into the vacant house about a week earlier than my other two friends, and right away it felt eerie there. Cold spots faint whispering sounds, bumps and noises, but I just chalked it up to being in an unfamiliar place. My room was at the end of a long hallway across from an unused room that had no windows. The windowless room had such a bad feeling that nobody even dared walk inside it. This was the room where the owner kept a lot of his old medical equipment and files of all sorts. Sometimes, when I walked down that long, dark hallway at night, I could hear what sounded like several people whispering, and I would feel like someone was walking right behind me. Once, I even felt something's spindly fingers touch my shoulders, as if someone was reaching to choke me. This made me run to my room. I hated that hallway. The door to the windowless room would open itself. I would bravely stick my arm inside the room and lock the door from the inside and pull it closed and make sure it was locked. Then the next time I would walk by, the door would be slightly open again. When the second roommate moved in, he started tearing down the wallpaper in his room and he started experiencing things as well. Doors would slam shut, even though you normally had to push them over the thick carpet. His room would get freezing cold even in the summer. He and I would be playing N64 in the living room, and pots and Tupperware would go flying off the counter in the open kitchen, or cabinets would open and slam shut. We would just get up and leave for a bit. 
The third roommate took the master bedroom. It was his dad's old house, after all, with two walk-in closets and a huge bathroom. One of the walk-in closets backed up to the windowless room, and it felt so evil that the third roommate kept it empty and locked. He saw and heard things too, but refused to acknowledge them. One night, we were having a party with maybe 25 people from work and college there. People were drinking, but not excessively, talking and having fun listening to music. I excused myself from the party to go pick up my then girlfriend from work. When we returned, the house was silent and everyone was out in the backyard, quietly talking. When I went outside, they rushed me. Apparently, while everyone was having a great time in the living room, they saw a full body apparition that looked exactly like the man being murdered in the painting walk out of the painting, through the room, and down the hallway towards my room and disappear around the corner. Everyone saw it. Several people gasped and pointed it out because you could see right through him, as they depict in so many movies. Everyone left, including us that night. I had seen glimpses of the same man, but only from the corner of my eye while I was alone in the house. One particular night, I was home alone, just home from work and getting ready to go meet my roommates at a local bar. I was getting ready, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but the whole house started to vibrate, as if there were an earthquake. But as we live in Florida, that was not the case. My roommate's girlfriend had left her dog there, and the dog was going ballistic. He was barking and clawing at the sliding glass doors, trying to get out. The house continued to vibrate, and the vibrations got so intense it was making me dizzy. I had had enough, and I went into my room and grabbed a sword that I kept over my desk. I unsheathed the sword and walked down the hallway towards the room with the painting. I just knew the painting was the cause. The closer I got to the painting, the more brutal the vibrations got. Pictures were falling off the walls. Feeling almost nauseous, I stood bravely in front of the giant painting with my sword clutched tightly in my fists and yelled at the painting, Stop this now, or so help me God, I will slash this painting to ribbons. The vibration got so intense, I felt like I would fall to my knees. And then all at once, it stopped. I took the dog and left the house immediately and went to find my friends. I stayed at a friend's house that night and my friend, who was at the party and had seen the ghost, reluctantly came to the house with me. He was Cuban and his abuela had taught him how to rid a house of evil spirits with candles, burning sage and praying. So he spent some time doing that. We didn't have much activity after that and us three roommates quickly became irritated and distant towards each other, so I moved out. The second roommate moved out two weeks later then the owner's son, and soon the house was sold and everything inside, including that evil painting. It was moved to an undisclosed location. I still talk to the second roommate, but he doesn't like to talk about that house. People often ask me, how could I have stayed in that house for a year? And my response was, the rent was reasonable. I have had a history of strange paranormal activity. My father died in a car accident 11 days before I was born, and my mother died during childbirth with me and was revived. Oh, wow. John, this will interest you. She said that when she died, she found herself in a large, beautiful field, and her husband, my father, came down to her in a strange metal craft and told her it wasn't time for her to go, that she needed to stay behind and look after their son. Wow. Isn't that strange? 
My house burned down when I was four, and the only things that survived were my great-grandfather's violin, the insurance paper for the house, and a smoky Ouija board that was in a metal box. My mother and a friend dusted off the Ouija board months later, and the first thing it said was, quote, sorry about the house. So she threw it away. Which yeah. I thought was interesting, as if the Ouija board had something to do with That's the house burning freaky. down. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was the only thing to survive. Well, one of the only things. Yeah. She died again of complications during the C-section of my sister 10 years later. Aww. My sister frequently saw the ghost of our great-grandmother when she was little, sitting at the foot of her bed. Maybe it runs in the family. Anyway, I am no longer scared of the supernatural events and almost crave their existence. There is so much mystery in this world that most people choose to ignore, even when it lives with you. I am ever enthralled with the belief hole. Please keep up the fantastic work. Thomas Stillwell. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, wow, that, that's one of the most intense experiences I think I've read. Well, one of the more colorful stories, too. Mm-hmm. And a unique. Haunted paintings and swords? Yeah. What would that be? Would that be a spirit of a traveler? Or potentially a conjured tulpa type being coming out of a painting? It's just such a unique kind of situation. It was strange and kind of synchronistic because the night right before I had read this, I was on YouTube looking for some ambience to put on to research to. And one of the, randomly, one of the videos that popped up suggestion was a brutal history of highwaymen. I saw Isn't that. that strange? I thought maybe that's because you had been looking this for- This is before cr- I'd read the story. What a weird yeah. coincidence. So inter- interesting for those who don't know, highwaymen were, had become famous sort of around the time of pirates, but they were, you know, on land. It was after the British Civil War, 1600s. They were royalists who wanted the king to win the war and they lost. And so they became pirates, not pirates, uh, gentlemen highwaymen. That's oh, kind of the idea. They were, weird. they were romanticized. It was kind of like the origin story of the first anti-hero. Yeah, I always thought that they were just Robin Hood type characters. So not necessarily stealing for the poor, but Although the I thought made, they were just like muggers. Yeah, the paintings make them look pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, we had a, a story in an earlier Listener Stories episode. Do you remember that? I forget who that was, but he had a home that was haunted, I believe, in the UK. And he said that... Oh, Chris. English Chris, yeah. And there was something about highwaymen in that, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the village that he lived in was notorious for having highwaymen come through. There was an old tavern that had been there for a couple hundred years or something. It was a, a local haunt for the highwaymen or something. I thought that was his house that used to be a tavern. Maybe. I don't know. Fascinating stuff, though. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for that story, Thomas. Killer story. I thought this was interesting. Speaking of paintings, things coming out of paintings and haunted paintings, mm-hmm. I recently come across an article in Fortean Times where some briefly mentioned an apparition coming out of a painting, but I like the concept of this article. It's called The Persistence of Visions by Alan Murdy. And it's about the question why in an age of technology and people seem to not be believing in certain things anymore, superstitions, why did the visions of ghosts still persist? Yeah. Simply basically his answer is because people keep seeing them which I thought is pretty straightforward, but also sort of uh, elegant way of saying like, yeah, there's, it's, it's a real phenomena. Right. It's not just based on psychology. Yeah. And the lack of technology. But I just grabbed a quick snippet from this article. If you want to read this one, Jer. Sure. In his classic Religion and the Decline of Magic, 1971, Sir Keith Thomas contrasted the relative survival of ghosts with apparent declines in the acceptance of witches, fairies, and devils admitting some questions were best left to the psychologist and psychic researcher. Ultimately, he felt what he viewed as irrational notions would diminish, but never disappear entirely. I believe the answer is simple. As I remarked to the Reverend Peter Laws for his book, The Frighteners, the reason ghost beliefs persist today is because people continue to see them and experience them. A recent example comes from the account penned by British journalist Jack Rear, who spent a night alone in the haunted wing of Chillingham Castle in October. 
Of course, it could be said he was psychologically primed for experiences, having met Mr. Mark Trotter, a ghost hunting guide at Chillingham, dubbed Britain's most haunted castle, who believes a number of specters frequent the ancient site. Mr. Trotter claims guests had seen, quote, former resident Lady Mary, stating that she stepped out of a painting, but usually we just smell her. Mmm, scent of roses, <laughs> he says. Save that Mr. Rear was justifiably skeptical about this, and equally unimpressed by divining rods that failed to twitch and dismiss the squeaky output of detuned radio presented as potential spirit voices merely as snatches of stray radio broadcasts. A cold breeze was rejected as, quote, just a gust of wind and a draft through a crack in the wall and weird acoustical effects sounding like footsteps explained as, quote, an old house just settling. Thus, a man built of tougher stuff than many, a virtual ironclad skeptic. And this is where it gets interesting. This is where this skeptical investigator who goes and does this sort of gimmicky thing for Halloween to write this article that they're referencing in this article, uh, this is when his experiences start to get a little more unexplained. More perplexing was a light in the chapel that switched on by itself and shimmered for a moment before fading. Troubling because Mr. Rear had seen his guide turn off the main switch before they entered. Then during the night came the most alarming incident. Quote, I am woken at 2 a.m. by an insisting tapping at my window, like someone thrumming the glass with their nails. That's creepy. And then a heavier sound, as though something is being dragged across the glass. I pull the covers up and try to ignore it until it stops. What little sleep I get for the rest of the night is fractured. Looking up at the window the next morning from the courtyard, he could find no identifiable cause, like a loose cable or piece of gutter brushing against it. Jack Rear joins a long list of journalists who regale us with such curious first-hand stories. I've heard such puzzling and uncomfortable anecdotes over the years, often mentioned in passing, sitting uneasily with the teller's materialist perspectives. Yeah. Very I, interesting. I so just, that comes from Fortean Times. Yeah, and I just thought that was good to add because, well, the painting for sure, and kind of what Thomas, the guy who brought us the story of the painting, he said something in a reply to my email saying, quote, most people so quickly dismiss anything regarding ghosts or UFOs until they see them for themselves. Right. And that's kind of the point of these episodes. Yeah. A lot of our stories come from people who've never had an experience and then they have one thing that totally opens their mind. Exactly. And that will tie us in, guys, to the expansion episode this week. Oh yeah, tell us what's coming up, Jared. Um, We are going to be talking about the Sally House. <laughs> I just wanted to mention it here because specifically there's a famous episode of Sightings where the host, Tim White, goes to the location of the Sally House. And it reminds me of this because he was skeptical That's right. about what was going on. Their hosts of shows don't usually go as a part of the crew to film and to experiment with what's going on. Right. And But he'd been hearing reports from the crew. I think they'd already done at least one exposition, one episode on this house. And he was hearing so much about it from his people, from his crew, that they were experiencing this crazy stuff that he had to go see it for himself. So we'll get into that in the expansion, but it's fascinating. Supposedly the country's most haunted house and the most haunted town in Kansas. But yeah, we'll touch more on that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll touch more on it later. I just wanted to mention that. It is interesting when skeptics are pulled in and yeah. they change their mind. Oh, Tim White, local guy. He became a Cleveland news anchor after sightings. That's true. Love that show. Anyway, are you guys ready for another tale? John, this one's for you, my friend. It's called Aqua Visitor. Not the creepiest title that I could have given it. <laughs> Aqua Visitor. I just, that had a nice ring to it for some reason. This comes from Tanya. This is the strangest thing that has ever happened to me. I'll try to be as detailed as possible. 
this is not your normal ghost or UFO event. In 2007 or 2008, my boyfriend and I rented a house in Placida, Florida. Placida is a small Gulf Coast town. The house was located on a canal that led to the Gulf and had a screened-in swimming pool in the back. Before bed, we would always make sure that the screen door was locked. The house had an unusual floor plan. Every room had a sliding glass door that led to the pool area, and at night, those were locked as well. Almost every night for the first month we lived there, we would bolt up in bed because we would hear the sliding glass doors being closed and opened. My boyfriend would take the dog, who would also be on alert, and walk each room, making sure that the doors were actually locked. And of course, they were all locked. The dog was a large Belgian Malinois. For those who do not know, it is a type of German Shepherd. Ours was trained to follow hand signals and was extremely protective. I'm not sure why. All at once, the door sounds stopped. But we were thankful they did. Something much stranger happened a couple months later, however. For a little context, I'll describe how the bedroom is set up. We hadn't accumulated much furniture for the house yet, so the bedroom was pretty much empty, except for the bed and a small four-foot-tall dresser that we put the TV on. The bedroom was huge, so it looked incredibly empty, with only a standing light that we never turned on and the dog's bed beside ours. The walls were completely bare, the only light seen from the bedroom was a nightlight in the master bathroom that shined into the hallway leading to the bedroom. A small window facing the pool area was shaded by trees, and the bedroom being on the far side of the back of the house had little light, if any, shining in through the sliding glass door. My side of the bed was near the hallway, with a tiny nightstand, and the dog's bed was on the other side of that. The rest of the area was incredibly void of anything else except white tile floors and white walls. So here's where things get weird. One night, I woke up facing the hallway. I was a bit confused because the room looked incredibly bright, and I wondered if somehow we turned the lamp on or the TV may have been turned on. I grabbed my glasses off the nightstand and sat up. In front of me, at the foot of the bed, was a huge, pulsating thing. It was a few huge rings that were writhing around one another, emitting beautiful shades of aqua. It was pulsing, expanding and contracting. I could see the empty wall through the middle of it being lit up. The middle of the ring was about three to four feet across, with the outside strands each an inch or two, but always changing as they twisted around each other. There was a part of it that was thicker at the bottom left of the ring. At that spot, I could see individual strands inside the strands casting various blues and greens, and it sparkled a bit. It was mesmerizing, and I was incredibly calm for some reason. I thought at one point that I should wake up my boyfriend, and I even put my hand on his arm, but changed my mind. I was afraid he would panic, and this thing would go away, and I wanted it to stay. I also looked down at the dog, who was sound asleep, wondering how he could not be alerted to the brightness of the room. His bed and my side of the bed were directly across from this thing. I wanted to get up and touch it, but again, afraid it would go away, I didn't move. I watched it until it finally dissipated. 
all of it moving through the large lower corner, fading away, turning the room into darkness. I think this probably lasted 10 or 15 minutes, maybe longer. I had time to inspect the room, trying to rationalize what was happening, thinking that somehow something was shining a light through the window or the pool area, but really knowing this couldn't be, as this thing was emitting its own light. At that point, I was wide awake and too excited to go back to sleep. I believe it was around two or three in the morning. I sat there for quite a while, hoping it would come back. I felt kind of sad when it was gone, thinking it was so beautiful and I'd probably never see anything quite like it ever again. I told my boyfriend about it when he woke up and he asked why I didn't wake him up. He answered his own question saying it would have freaked him out. I've seen a lot of strange things such as ghosts, orbs, mists, UFOs, but never anything like this. The largest orb I've seen was basketball size. This thing was so big that I thought it was a portal, but I only saw the wall through the middle. Everything I've read about portals have all said something or someplace else was seen through the middle. I'm hoping that if you guys read this and there is someone out there who will contact you or me and say they've seen the same thing and will perhaps know what it is, what it was doing or what it wanted, if anything at all. I know nothing about the house or who lived there previously, but as for the land, the Calusa Indians may have occupied that land and surrounding land as early as 5000 BC. I see orbs mostly, from golf ball size to basketball size, some given an impression of being nice, others indifferent, and one I felt was malevolent and came at me at a high rate of speed. Nice. Yeah, crazy story. Sounds like she had a myriad of experiences. Yeah, it's interesting that it seems like certain people mm -hmm. attract a lot of experiences. Yeah, yeah. I've known some people like that. You always wonder if they're open to it or if they're, yeah, if there's some sort of magnet. For yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, it... It's hard to say for sure. I'm sure it's not one answer, but mm -hmm. it is interesting, yeah, that some people go their whole lives wanting to see something. Yeah. Even people that are interested in this stuff and never see anything. And then some people are like, because we get a lot of people that write in that say that they've had just so many experiences. Mm -hmm. And it is something, maybe genetics that, you know, their family history or... Yeah. yeah, maybe depending on what the phenomena is or, you know, even if there's like this idea of the underlying thread between all supernatural paranormal phenomena that people are just generally... It's weird when you get to like, like UFOs and ghosts seem like they're not related, right. but maybe they are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe there is some sort of, you know. Overarching consciousness. That's, right. That was one of the ideas from. Um, well, John Keel talked John about Keel that. talked about. Yeah. And, and Jacques, Jacques Vallée talked a little bit about that. But the idea that, yeah, there was some consciousness kind of control of all this unexplained phenomena. And then it, a lot of it was just, just kind of confound you. And that was yeah. sort of the purpose of it. Feed on the, the yeah. confusion. As to her request, if anyone out there has heard or experienced something like this, definitely let us know because we'd love to connect yeah, that. It sounds like a pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, nice. It almost reminded me of when I was reading it because there's the pool there and the glass doors that wrap around this. It sounds like a nice place to live. But it made me think of... Oh, the abyss. Al almost like the abyss. Yeah. Where the coming out of the pool, this right. creature would come mm -hmm. through. Or but, cocoon. Or cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if maybe it was maybe some sort of visitor. Like maybe this wasn't a portal itself, but maybe it came through. Some, maybe there's something there because she has another experience uh, a really short one she mentions in this message to us. That's creepy. That's creepy. But it, it reminds me of, could this be something coming through a, some sort of gateway there? Uh, but we will have an image of this in the show notes. I don't know if you guys can see it there. But she drew an illustration of what this thing will look like, John. It's pretty crazy. It also kind of reminds me of your smoke monster, That's Jeremy, your experience. And also we had a listener story, another strange listener stories, where a very similar thing came. Do you remember this one? I think you read this one too, John, but it was red. 
late at night, came oh. and visited this woman where she woke up to find this red glowing thing pulsating. That does sound familiar. So we'll, we'll have a link to that episode in the show notes as well. But I wanted to follow up quickly with just her message about this strange visitor one night. Yeah, this was creepy. It made me think of maybe a gateway being there, actually. Something coming through. Something weird did just happen a few weeks ago that I'm still wondering about. I had went to bed fairly exhausted. I had just closed my eyes and thought I had heard the dog walk into my room. He has been sleeping under my bed. I didn't look, however. I just assumed it was him. Then I heard my roommate get up to use the bathroom, and I opened my eyes for some reason. Something was in my face obscuring my vision. I was afraid to put my hands out, but I managed to mash my head into the pillow more. And as I did, what looked to be a porcelain face slowly backed away from my face. As it backed away, I saw it was only a mask, nothing behind it. The moonlight from my windows shined on the cheek of it. When it faded back into the darkness, it was just like something you would see in a movie. I wasn't scared, but more curious. Why was it so close to my face? It was almost like it was trying to get into me. Maybe kiss me? I think about it every night and often open my eyes periodically just to see if something is there. It's been quiet the past couple of weeks, however. No orbs, ghosts, UFOs, or porcelain masks. What do you guys think? Yikes. Yeah, it's interesting. That, I mean, I know she wasn't creeped out, but that, would, that sounds pretty creepy. It reminds me of that... Um, Mark Twain, the claymation yeah. cartoon where it was Satan holding a mask. I'm an angel. I'm an Let angel. Let me angel. So creepy. Creeptastic. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's creepy to me because it reminds me of that, but... But that little statement she has there about maybe kiss me, mm-hmm. it just it reminds me of the story that will be coming up uh, later in the show about... The succubus. The Hawaiian succubus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that story. That was great. A lot of great stories this episode. Yeah. I'm excited. Good. All right, guys, we're about to take a break, but stick around because we have some amazing stories coming up. Right, Chris? Yes. And John? Hi. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Present? Yes, we do. Two great stories from our friends, Fitz and Lil from uh, the Knock Once for Yes podcast. Yes. Which is fantastic. Definitely check that out. But stick around for that. Stick around for some more crazy, Yeah, Hawaiian succubus. We've got a great story from an insane asylum up in California. Mm -hmm. Excited to hear that one. And then a weird story from a gas station attendant. Oh, yeah. I love that one. confessionals coming up. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating as well. But before we do, before we do go to the break, the expansion, and preview a little bit of what is in the expansion episode... We have some very special people. Very special. Extremely special. Maybe the specialist of people that exist today. Skywheel Rider. Skywheel Rider. <laughs> yes. Ooh. <laughs> I love it, John. Thank nice you. little sting. Skywheel And it comes Rider. again. Skywheel Rider. Accident. <laughs> Anyways, Great. yeah. So we have some very, very special people that have decided to really help us out here in the hole. It's the highest tier level. It's $50 yes, a month yes. and people that really want to support the show. So we wanted to acknowledge these special, wonderful human beings. These Skywheel riders. Yes. Yeah. And they get a little special shout out separate from our, our regular thank yous. That's the Black Eyed Cool Kids that are coming up later in the episode because, yeah, to really donate this level, it does mean a lot to us. Absolutely. And if anyone else is out there, we have more tiers available now. And if you do feel like supporting, we do have other options yeah. up yeah. there for people. Skywheel yeah. Riders, $50 tier, $50 a month. So very it's generous, crazy. very generous. Mm-hmm. We love you much. And we've got a few to just shout out today. Well, we should name them. We should. Yes. Let's do it. Lindsay Maves. Yeah. Oh, man. 
She needs no introduction. Yeah, she's been here forever. If you guys yes. have been at all around in the Bleeful community, you will see her name. She is one of the first and longest. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she runs the Facebook a lot. She she doesn't run it, but she she keeps it alive in a lot she's of ways. She's one of the mamas of the Facebook. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you, Lindsay. You've been with us a long time. We're yeah. grateful for your Absolutely. patronage. And yes. Patra Phillips. Patra, Another right. name that needs no introduction. Been here for quite some time. And Thank you, Patra. And a big support of the show. We Superstar. love you. Special love. Mm-hmm. And a new member to the whole, new name that I haven't seen oh, previously, yes. which is Bob McDaniel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Yes. You know what's- yes. Woo! <laughs> weird synchronicity. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, this is just weird with your name. Or not with your name, but in his email, part of his email, I won't give his email away, but part of his email is McFinney. I don't know if it's a nickname, if it's part of his name, whatever, but the- This was weird. Weirdest freaking thing is that the house that we are covering in the expansion episode is the Sally house, and it was built by M.C. Finney. Oh, weird. Isn't that bizarre? That's a mind-blowing synchronicity. So, a, a guy, that is crazy. A guy who signs up to support the show with his generous heart and amazingness, uh, his email is the name of the guy who built the Sally House, which we are covering in the expansion. Just so the odds of that happening is right. just, I, it's crazy synchronicity, and it makes me think that Bob is an extra special fella. Right. We do thank him. And he did submit a listener story. We didn't get it in time to prepare for this episode, but we will do it in a future episode. He actually provided an image of a UFO. Potential UFO, which is fascinating. Well, his UFO is unidentified. Well, that is true, Chris. That is yes. the definition. Quickly, I just wanted to add to your synchronicity extravaganza. Last night, you're studying for the Sally House. And mm-hmm. you know, there was a period where we weren't sure if we were going to do it yeah. for a lot of reasons. And it's been done a it's lot. It's been done a lot. But we're going to do it in our own special belief whole way. Try to find new angles on it, which we did. But we were second guessing it. Then this synchronicity happens. And then I got a friend request from someone. Their last name, they had their full name. And then parentheses, Finney. Mm-hmm. Also last night. So it's okay, we have to do it. It turned out to be a friend of a friend of the show, Sarah. But what a weird coincidence. Coincidence. Synchronicity. So two Finneys came in to us last night. Yeah, outside weird, of the research. Man. Yeah. And for those who are watching live on the premiere right now, that's a drink. That's multiple synchronicities <laughs> right there. Yeah. So sorry about that. But yeah, guys, thank you so, so much for your support of the show. And we have some more thank yous coming up later for the the Black Eyed Cool Kids. But special thank you to you guys because you yes. extra generous and it really does help us. But yeah, so let's get into the little preview we have in the break for the expansion episode which, as I said, is for the Sally House. You probably have heard that story. If you're deep into haunted houses and haunting lore, it is the most, allegedly most haunted house in America, in maybe the most haunted town, Atchison, Kansas. But as it is known as the Sally House, there's a alleged spirit of a small girl. That's kind of the basic story. But anyone who digs deeper into it finds that there is more to that story involving a darker presence. Is it potentially an additional presence to Sally? Is it potentially a trickster type, maybe demonic spirit that's wearing Sally like a sleeve? Mm. The idea. That sounds disturbing. Wearing Sally like a sleeve. Exactly. I purposely (laughs) wrote that ahead of time because I love that idea. I mean, it's a terrifying idea and it's very disturbing. Oh, Sally can wait. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Nice segue. Oasis, huh? All right. So without any further ado, Enjoy this little preview of the expansion, guys, and we will see you on the other side of the break. It is a great song, Sean. Absolutely, 100%. And we will see you on the other side. Access granted. Anyway, so getting back to the house the very next day. So they woke up and, you know, had that previous freaky experience that night. But, you know, in the light of day, everything kind of calms down, right? Yeah. Start to feel a little more secure in your home. So at this point... You know, who's trying to think of, there must be some rational explanation for this. Him and I think it might be his brother. They had a sense of humor about everything that happened that next morning. So Tony at this time picks up a 35 millimeter camera, just snapping some pictures. And at one point, he points it at a teddy bear on the TV and says, quote, Sally, if you're here, 
smile and say cheese. Right as he said that and clicked the shutter, the bear on the TV spun around. At that point, run. panic immediately sets in. They're all getting ready to leave. We got to get out of here. Tony takes the baby, Taylor, goes to put him in his car seat, which at this point is on the end of the couch. And as he's leaning over doing that, he immediately bolts up and whips his hand around like something bit him on the back. That's what he thought. It was like a bug bite or something. He tries to brush it off, but then Deborah has him lift up his shirt and they discover what will be in the show notes here, the first of the scratches. First of many. See that in the show notes, John? Three long scratches. Oh, weird. We've talked about this on the show before. The, the, it comes it's always in threes. Three. Like I had a tax member living at John, Uncle John's house. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Always three long mm-hmm. scratches on the back. I've never seen anything like it in my life. This stuff is real. Sounds creepy. <laughs> it was terrifying. Terrifying. I thought to myself, what on earth? Yes! Yes! What on earth? Hey guys, we're back. Welcome back to this special Halfway to Halloween Listener Story, Strange Listener Stories episode. Welcome to be here. Yes, always welcome to be here, friends. And we have some great stories we're coming back to, some creepy but interesting stories from our friends Lil and Fitz at the Knock Once for Yes podcast, which you absolutely 100% should go check out right now if you haven't heard it. Great job digging deep into local lore, famous hauntings, myths, legends. They even get into some Fordian stuff like time slips and crisis apparitions, all kinds of interesting stuff. Stuff you like here in the hole. Yeah. So if you like our show, definitely go give them a listen and tell them that Belief Hole sent you. Yeah, do that. And you can find them at knockonceforyes.com. That's right. Or anywhere you get your podcast. We'll have a link in our show notes too, so definitely check them out. But without further ado... Here is Lil's story, and this is an interesting case that gets into a little bit of a phenomenon I had yet to hear about, so we'll dig into that a little bit after the fact. We call this story Spirits of Static. I'm Lil from the paranormal podcast Not Quants for Yes, and I wanted to share with you one of my first paranormal experiences. The very first apparition that I ever saw was in one of my childhood homes, and I couldn't have been much older than about 10. At the time, we lived in an old Edwardian house. It had a lot of the old original features, including things like tiled floors, open fireplaces in every room, even the old laundry copper in the scullery. So with such an old house, of course, we had banging pipes and creaking floors. But there were always other little things as well that weren't quite so easily explained. We had a lot of phantom smells. It was very strange. You would be standing in the kitchen and out of nowhere, even when there was nobody cooking, you'd get this really strong, pungent smell of cooking kippers. Not in a nasty way, just in a very homely, everyday kind of way, but there was just no explanation for it. The smell came out of nowhere. On the stairs, we would smell like somebody had just lit a match and blown it out, that kind of sulfury smell. And even on one occasion, I found what looked like drips of wax on the bare wooden floorboards that just seemed to appear out of nowhere with no cause. Occasionally, when we were upstairs, you'd hear the sounds of crockery clanking around downstairs, although somebody was just bumbling around and making themselves a cup of tea. 
even though we knew that there was nobody down there. None of this was particularly frightening, and I was just more curious than anything, except one night when I saw what had been making the noises. I was in my bedroom at the time, and it was dark, it was nighttime, but I hadn't been asleep. I was fully awake, just lying there staring out into the room. And I suddenly felt somebody standing over me and looked up. And there was, in fact, the figure of a man standing at the side of my bed and leaning in, bending over almost as though peering down to look at me. And although I say it was the figure of a man, it was that shape, but there was no solidity, there was no colour. I've described it in the past as being almost like when you spray water into the air and there's a coalescence of water droplets. It was a shape of a man made out of this kind of strange effect. It's not a very good way of describing it, but later when I started the podcast and started talking to other people who had similar experiences, they described what are called static figures. This description fitted what I'd experienced much better and was very meaningful for me when I discovered it. It did look like TV static. Rather than having the translucence of water droplets, as I tried to explain it before, it had more of a grainy, greyish kind of static quality to the outline of the figure. Now, I just lay there completely frozen. As you can imagine, as a child with this figure made out of something that my brain couldn't really comprehend, peering down at me that I couldn't do anything except lay there frozen, not knowing what on earth to do or what to make of it. And just as quickly as it appeared, it disappeared. And when I say disappeared, it didn't fade away. The, the static or the droplets scattered, almost exploded out into the air. That's interesting. And just sort of drifted away into the darkness. I've never experienced anything like it since, although I know other people have. But to this day, even after 40 years of being having paranormal experiences and being interested in the paranormal, it really is still one of the weirdest things that has ever happened to me. Fascinating. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool because, you know, spirits, specters, spooks, they appear in all different kinds of ways and are described in different ways, but they usually have similar attributes you know they're kind of can be translucent or even fully present but the the interesting aspect of how it is interacting with the atmosphere that i think is so interesting the static like it's almost like it's pulling from the electricity in the room to create itself yeah the energy dissipate but it's interesting grabbing a hold of that specific attribute the static and saying that she'd heard other stories like this that were kind of coming out and then she found that term static people or static entities i was looking online there's a great resource for real stories people submit called yourghoststories.com oh yeah and I searched on there and I found other static, because I'd never heard of this either. I'd never heard of there being a specific phenomenon of static type spirits or static apparitions. There's a lot. It's really interesting. There's one, another one from the United Kingdom actually in Scotland, Fife, Scotland, that would have happened around 1998. Kid was six years old at the time and he described seeing what he referred to as a fuzzy static tornado. At least that's what this figure was made up of. Uh, it says static because of the fuzzy and swirling movement. Another kid around seven years old saw a human shape made completely of what he referred to as static. And this was interesting because it was just a man pushing a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I like that. And they said the only thing that was different is that it had a multicolored static outline. And you hear that sometimes that there's a darkness around the edge of 
for instance, shadow people or static entities. That's just kind of interesting, common appearance. Yeah, just going about his business, doing um, some yard work. Another really interesting description was one person who said the outline looked kind of like outer space or a black shadow with stars inside. Oh, wow. As if you're looking at the night sky. Same thing, dark on the edges, mm-hmm. static, snowy, stars inside. And the last one here, I'll, I'll just mention, and we'll put links in the show notes, there's a lot of stories, but a kid between three and 12 years old saw these things a lot, which was really interesting. He said they never tried to cause him harm or fear specifically, but they were always around constantly. They would just casually do everyday kinds of things. He said one would ride the elliptical bike. Uh, another would just walk by doing any activity, go sit on the couch things people do every day, yeah. but they were in human form with no facial features. They were full body and composed of what looked like, again, static or snow, like on a television when you have a channel and it doesn't come in clear. Oh, right. Right? But yeah, living completely normal seeming lives. He questioned, is this seeing into some sort of vision of another universe or yeah. maybe even an echo of time? Just the, you said gathering the energy to coalesce into something that we can see. It does sound like face stories, obviously, like they're just separated by a membrane, but doing similar Everyday activities, or I guess that's more the hidden folk, not Faye, but the, I remember hearing a story similar to this where people, where a kid would see people in his front yard. Yeah. I forget what it was. They were very short and they had like squashed heads or large heads or something, but they would do regular everyday activities. So he just thought they were normal people. At one time, one of them looked at him and realized that he could see them and then he never saw them again. Right. It was just like seeing into another reality yeah. temporarily. Oh, I can't remember what that story was. Really interesting. Hmm. Well, thank you, Lil, for that well-told, fascinating yes. story and, and introducing us to this whole other specific phenomena, static people. It's limitless. All these holes. All these holes. holes. of the strange. It's limitless like Bradley Cooper. Thank you, John. <laughs> Terrific film. Did you see it? I did. It was not bad. I don't even remember it. I just remember it was limitless. Well, right. good segue into Fitz's story. <laughs> what is Fitz's account? Fitz's account I call A Friend Comes Calling. Hi, I'm Fitz from the Knock Once VS podcast, and I've had more than my fair share of paranormal experiences, I think. And today I want to share an experience that I had when I was in my early teens. I was living at home with my parents, and it was the school holidays, so I was at home, my parents were at work, I basically had the house to myself. We have a friendly ghost at that house, but that isn't the story I'm going to tell you today. We were having some work done on our porch, and a friend of my parents was doing the work as and when he could fit that in around his other jobs. So it wasn't unusual for him to stop in, do a couple of hours work, or take some measurements and then disappear and come back hours or even days later. So this one morning... I came downstairs, and it was coming up to ten o'clock, perhaps ten to quarter two. And through the front door, the frosted glass of the door, I see my parents' friend. Now, I say it's frosted glass, but it was clear enough that I could easily make out his standard dress and the flat cap that he would habitually wear. So, knowing he enjoyed a cup of tea, I reached over flicked the kettle, which was literally an arm's length away, and I must have taken my eyes off the door for all of three or four seconds. And when I turned back, he was gone. Now, I presumed he'd just moved out of sight of the door, so I opened the door, said, you know, I've just put the kettle on, and had a look round and couldn't see him. So I walked out to the end of the drive, and I couldn't see him up the street, 
and I didn't see him round the house either, but I figured through some bizarre combination of missing each other around the house that I must have just missed him leave. So I made myself a coffee and thought very little more of it. It was only later on that day when my parents came home. I said, oh, you know, your friend popped round earlier to do something on the house. I was going to make him a cup of tea, but he didn't stay. And my parents just looked at me ashen-faced. And they said, he couldn't. He couldn't have been. What time did you say? I said, oh, you know, quarter to two, ten to ten. And they said, no, no, he can't have been. I, I recognised him, I'm sure. They said, no, we're telling you he can't. He died this morning at quarter to ten. I was absolutely certain that it was him. And I saw him at almost precisely the same time that he died. Man, interesting. Yeah, such a familiar story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Crisis apparition. A little bit of that hinting of what is just beyond death here. You just know. stopping by to say goodbye at a friend's place. Yeah, a little extra echo of life. Definitely not an uncommon situation. I right. think it's a lot more common than people yeah. give it credit for. No, absolutely. I think that any of these stories, and like you said, this is a familiar story. This is not uncommon per se, but how many people tell their story. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I think it happens to more people than we think, but it's not talked about probably right. for a lot of people. Only more recently in the past probably a few decades has it become a popular thing to talk about paranormal stuff. Mm -hmm. And even if you do, it's still something where it's very personal for a lot of people. And are you going to share that you saw something or had a spiritual or paranormal experience with your neighbor or someone you work with? Are you going right. to write it down or submit it to a show? That's a very small percentage that actually does that. That's right. why we get a lot of submissions that say, uh, I'm sharing this with you guys because I don't I don't feel like I know anyone in my personal life that I can share right. this with. So we are paranormal therapists. It's exactly right. <laughs> it's very carthetic, cathartic, cathartic. <laughs> carthetic. What is that? <laughs> very cathartic. I would hope people being able to tell their stories. Um, and it is, I think, about ninety percent, ninety-five percent of our listeners who either wish to remain anonymous or use just their first name. Right. Which is like, why? Why would you do that if you? We're making Weren't it up. telling a genuine story. Right. You know, you're obviously not seeking attention. Maybe it's fun to hear a story you made up, but it seems most people have had an experience. They don't want recognition. They just want to share their story. And more importantly, they want to hear if anyone else has had a similar experience. Yes. Yeah. Like the one today with the, the Aqua Visitor. I, did I ever tell you guys about my crisis apparition experience with grandma the night she died? And I was living in the old studio. No. I was working on her. I mean, probably you did. I just don't remember. I'll just tell it real quick. But I was working on her documentary. Remember we interviewed mm -hmm. her years before and I was putting it together. Staying up to like 5 a.m. because it was her birthday. Something was coming up where I was trying to get it done for Mother's Day or something. And we knew she wasn't doing well. And that was, I think, another reason I was trying to get it done before she passed. And that night, I think it was, I finally went to bed. It was like 4 a.m. or something. And I've been looking at her, telling her story and putting emotional music to it for probably, you know, two days straight. Then I go to bed and I'm woken up by a voice, female voice. And I was like, if this is grandma, this is you, give me a sign. But she was still alive at this point? As far as I knew. And then I just felt this warm sensation go through my body. Like oh, it felt weird. like a, an electrical embrace that was warm and it was hard to, hard to explain, but I just felt love and peace and all that stuff. And um, yeah, the next day mom told me that she had died that night or that early that morning. So I always wonder, why do you think you're so special that she would come visit you? I, don't, I was getting jealous. I don't think I'm special. <laughs> why I think, did grandma come to you? I think maybe it's because I spent so much time the past 48 hours. I was just thinking about her life because I was right. working on that documentary. I'm just joking. Mm. 
And she loved me more. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just kidding. That's grandma! Just... <laughs> I'll never forget this, Grandma! That's so synchronistically strange, because I wanted to do this listener story, but we didn't have time, so it would be probably next time. But there was that story that someone wrote in about her grandmother that visited her and kept her warm. Oh, yeah. We'll do that next one next time. Uh, that one's a, a really good one. But that's just so weird. It's the same exact yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But odd timing. Anyways, life is too weird, guys. Thank you for sharing your stories with us, guys. Definitely go check out the show. Absolutely. Link in the show notes, guys. Check it out. Subscribe. Kind of nice that he got to see a family friend before he went off to venture into the other realm. Yes. Okay, so this next tale. I love this one. This one is unique. Uh, it's kind of funny. Skywheel Still working out some of the bugs. <laughs> Still some kinks happening. Thanks again, Skywheel Riders. No, Sign up. we'll just. Skywheel Riders. <laughs> <laughs> sad at the end. Okay. Ready? Yep. This one I like a lot. It's uh, it's unique because it's it's a third person perspective. It is very much like a scene in a movie mm-hmm. where you're you're with a character who's about to experience. Like something crazy happens somewhere and then you cut to a gas station where then the person pulls in who's the story's happening to. Right. You'll see what I mean here. I call this one night at the gas station and this comes to us from Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Nice work on the emojis there, by the Do way. Do you like him? It gives you a little hint, John, if you look at the Google Doc. He's what, got a cute little on? red car emoji next to a gas pump emoji and then a ghost emoji. Mm-hmm. That gives it away right there. It's like a Ozark. Yes. Sure. I was working third shift at a gas station in St. Joseph, Michigan. When I had a customer come in and tell me to watch two cars in the parking lot because they pulled in crazy and someone was yelling. So after the customer left, I went outside to partake in my vaping nicotine addiction and listen to the drama. The man was standing out in the parking lot talking to someone in the second car. He had a dog with him that looked like it was scared of something. He then puts the dog in the second car and tells whoever was in it that he can't go back to that house. Then he walked towards the store, so I went back inside. The man then went and grabbed an adult beverage and came to the counter for some smokes. When he got to the counter, I could see him visibly shaking. Then he proceeded to tell me that he was just at his new home for his first night there, just him and his dog, when his dog started barking at the closet door. He said he had already propped the door shut on this closet earlier that day because it kept opening on him while he was doing things in the house. As his dog continued to bark at the closet, he got up to take a look when the closet burst open and a shadow lunged out at him. The way the guy was shaking, I do believe he saw a shadow person. He stopped in the next day and told me he ended up sleeping in his car because, quote, I wasn't going back into that house at night. I just thought that was a kind of a cool Very little tale. Creepy. Yeah. Very cinematic. You can see that scene where you're just working at a gas station and then in the distance, the car crazily pulls in and then one after him. <laughs> and then they're like arguing about something outside and you go out and find out that the guy just left in a haunted home that he just moved into. It's just yeah. kind of a unique perspective on the typical haunted house situation. Take my dog. A third person perspective. Well, if you see all that played out in the parking lot, and the man's shaky and tells you, my dog was barking at the closet and... A shadow monster jumped out? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the clutch point there. Shadow monster. That's after Cookie Monster <laughs> dies. <laughs> so he goes shadow out. monster. Yes. I Seeing that, you would think, this guy's not making this up, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what a weird thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless he concocted a story to explain that the fight event- in the parking lot. Eventful night at the Circle K or wherever. Vallejo. To all of you that have back problems, try squatting. 
What is happening? <laughs> Look, did I just switch shows? John is tired of ghost stories. No, seriously. Anyone that has knee pain, just squat. <laughs> this episode brought minutes. to you by John's random <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I'm just trying to help. He's trying to keep people from becoming ghosts themselves by stretching, staying alive. Someone out there is like, oh my God, really? That will work? Yes. <laughs> Gina, it will. We'll put a link in the show notes to also, if you've knees hic- over to oh, I already told that one. What was the other one you were going to say? Oh, curing hiccups. Oh, this is, this is important. I think we told this one. This yes. is not told, as important as Jackie's knee, knee like, pain. why is this happening <laughs> in my story? Knee pain. This is important. Hiccups are important because they can ruin an evening. Yeah, but knee pain can ruin a life. It was, I remember, I remember this was like two years ago now. It was expansion episode number one, McKelly and Bembe, where I told people how to cure hiccups. You put a paper towel over top of a whole glass of water. You drink that sucker slowly through the paper towel, through the paper towel. And somehow it resets your diaphragm or something. But if you keep breathing as you're drinking, you know, you can stop to breathe, but that will cure your hiccups. I, we got, it we drowns got people, the throat gremlins. We got <laughs> people. <laughs> that's what I heard. This is scientific. We got people right in after that saying, thanks so much for that, because I've been looking for years to figure out how to cure hiccups. So it's worth repeating. Forget the teaspoon of sugar, baloney. But equally as important probably as the... Uh, crouching? Crouching. I think the crouching's more important. Crouching tiger hidden, John. Squatting. Is that what you call it? It's That's what it is. Look up primal squats on the internet. <laughs> Speaking of primal squats, let's head to the primal land. <laughs> How of, could that possibly connect <laughs> to the next story? We're going to head to the primal land of Hawaii. Actually, this doesn't take place in Hawaii, does it? It actually takes place in Portland. It's connected to Hawaii, though. This is a fascinating account. It comes to us from Joe, and it's called Hawaiian Succubus. In 1996, I was living in Portland, where I'm from. I went to visit my mother, who lived in Salem at the time. I had spent half my life living in Hawaii, and my stepfather was Hawaiian and had a lot of spirits around. Crazy things always were happening. VCRs turning on and playing movies while unplugged. TVs turning on after going to bed. Even saw orbs along a cliff in a remote part of Hawaii. I won't get into the Hale Bob Comet incident because it would make the story too long. Interesting. Side story. So to the night of the shadow entity, I was sleeping on the couch that night while visiting. I was about 15 years old. I'm now 40, but I remember it like it was last night. I had a dream that I can't remember much except a voice saying that there are spirits here. And I woke up, couldn't breathe, and a black shadow figure was holding me down. Not in an angry way, I wasn't hurt, but I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move. I could feel that it was pushing on my chest, not allowing me to move as I struggled, and it was kissing me softly on my face and lips. Mm -hmm. Then everything suddenly stopped. This was late in the night. My parents were in the other room, sleeping. Nobody else was in the house. I fell back asleep. And when I woke in the morning, I was laying the opposite direction on the couch than when I fell asleep. I told my stepfather because, like I mentioned, he has spirits around him. He even leaves an open beer out when drinking to this day. It's for his friend. He told me not to worry. He said, Seems like the spirit was a local Hawaiian female spirit that liked you. And if she wanted to hurt you, she would have. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, Hawaii is... I've heard of... Hawaii? Some mysterious things happening in Hawaii. It's pregnant with folklore, as Jerry would say. Pregnant with mystery. They have the, the night marchers. With nodes of truth. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been there. It's a pretty incredible They have place. the whole thing that happened to that Brady family with the little that, tiki. That's a TV show that no one will know because- That's right, it is. It's from it like was. 1901. Um, not that old. Interestingly, I looked up, there's not a lot of information about Hawaiian succubi. Really? But I did find this one little blurb here. 
for some creature context. It's interesting will. because I always thought succubus, and it definitely sounds like you could correlate his experience here with a sleep paralysis incident. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, yeah. you have detractors who say, like, sleep paralysis is only sleep paralysis. And when you see these things, you feel the pressure on the chest. It's all psychological, right. which I don't believe because well, I've had my experience. To be clear, he didn't say anything about a succubus. Neither right. did his stepdad. He's That's a, what it sounds like to me, Spirit though. was a local Hawaiian female spirit that liked you. But it just made me think, like, Hawaiian spirit causing sleep paralysis at night. This is classic succubus activity. Classic. Right? They cannot get enough of it. The succubus. Succubus is the female one, right? Yes. Incubus is the that. male. Great band. So this is a little creature context for you guys out there that I found online about the Hawaiian version. The Hawaiian version of this myth is known as, I'm going to mispronounce this badly, a sink, a mythological being that appears as a, quote, beautiful young woman and sneaks into men's tents at night and steals their virginity. Lucky guy. It is said that the only way to stop this demon is to wear a loincloth made of the Hawaiian snowbush plant. Hmm. So that's a piece of advice for any of you in Hawaii. Somebody can start selling those on Etsy. I think you can buy them online. That's what I read. Really? But anyways, very interesting. I do think there is something to the succubus thing. Yeah, the, especially sexual sort of dream-like thing. It's a cross-cultural phenomena. You have the, I think it's the Jewish myth that Lilith, Lilith and the daughters of Lilith or the children of Lilith, the Lilin, they're called, that became succubus. And supposedly that's how demons procreate because they can't actually bear children. Supposedly from whom? From the myths. You know, <laughs> from the myths. Folklore is in the myths and things. The Book of Myths. It's just something I was reading online. From the Malleus Maleficorum, the Witch's Hammer. I've never heard that. That's interesting, though. The idea that you could basically cause a nighttime event, if you will, mm. if you know what I mean, wet in nature. And then you could use that, that result of that. You're always doing that. You're always trying to find the way to take seed and put it somewhere into some occult way. Are you talking about the nightworms? Yes, that's a different thing. Okay. This is actually like folklore mythology. Anyways, that's how they would do it is they would inspire this kind of physical reaction to touch, if you will, and then, you know, put it in a female and then you, then those children would be more susceptible to demonic possession. Obviously the tie in here to me seems obvious, seems the abduction phenomenon with half human, half alien hybrids and the, the whole planting seeds of the human into another, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the, the DNA workings and all that going on, right. they're similar. The mm-hmm. parallels between these these stories, these ancient demon seeding stories and alien abduction, yeah. very similar. And we're not suggesting, Joe, that you were seduced by a succubus, just FYI. This is not necessarily saying any of that, but it is a great story and we do thank you for it. Yes, definitely. All right. What is our final story of the day, Chris? Ah, uh, yes. Is this, uh, Jolene. 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 Yes, this is Jolene's account. Uh, this I call Asylum Gatekeeper. Terrific story. And this takes place in the old Napa State Hospital, which is a, a psychiatric hospital in Napa, California. Forensic patients there, which basically means criminally insane. This is a place that has had a lot of violent history. It was opened, it was opened 109 years to the day of our birthday, November 15th. Huge hospital. This is one of the hospitals that would do the sterilization thing. They had approximately 4,000 patients buried in a field of the Napa Hospital. So a lot of death, a lot of history. Yeah, and I've got a quick quote I'll do after the story from a worker there. All right, well, let's play the clip. Play the clip. This is my most exciting story that is probably my favorite story of anything that's happened to me, paranormally speaking. All of my close friends know this story because I think it's so fascinating and it is about a disembodied voice. So from 2009 to 2015, I worked at Napa State Hospital. It is reportedly the oldest state hospital in the United States still in operation. It was built in 1875. 
The original building looked like a castle. At some point there was a fire, and so after World War II, that castle was gone and most of the buildings that are used today were built after World War II. In 2009, I was hired as part of Physical Occupational and Speech Therapy Department at Napa State Hospital, and I was hired as the office administrator. And when I first began working there, there weren't a lot of us working in that department yet. One thing about Napa State Hospital is everything is locked, so you need a key to go anywhere that you need to go. So for our department, only a couple of us had keys to that section of the building. And it was an L-shaped section of the building, and our rooms used to be the hydrotherapy rooms. So I don't know if you've ever seen Girl Interrupted, but there's a scene where Winona Ryder is taking a bath at the asylum that she's at. And those rooms back in the day would have looked exactly like that with the bathtubs and everything. But um, they were just mostly tile at the time that I worked there. All of the bathtubs had been taken out and there. So it was just tile, blue tile. Anyway, so my story happens on a winter day, I believe it was either 2009 or 2010. It was shortly after I started working there. And it was lunchtime and only me and my coworker were in that whole L of that part of the building. Nobody else was down there. And there was like a long hallway and then a shorter hallway, which would be the little foot of the L, I guess. So our office was about midway down the long part of the L, and then at the little heel of the L, there was kind of like a cafeteria room. And then at the foot of the L was a little bathroom. So anyway, my coworker was down in our offices eating, and I took a TV dinner all the way to the little heel of the L to go unlock that door and microwave my food. As I was standing there, Unlocking the door, I heard in my left ear, like over my shoulder, a very deep man's voice, very clearly, and it said, You got a key? And I can't do a <laughs> deep voice, but it was exactly like that. It was, You got a key? Is how it said it. And it was just, imagine a really deep man's voice, kind of sludgy, like... I don't know how to describe it. It was like kind of like it was uh, trying to trying to form words. Creepy. Uh, through some like heavy atmosphere. So hard to explain, but you got a key. And I turned around because I <laughs> thought maybe there was a janitor there or something behind my back. There was no one there. I was not freaked out at the moment because I was confused. I opened the door turn on the lights. I'm looking behind the counter, just kind of like looking around for somebody. Nobody there. I put my food in the microwave and I kind of started feeling eerie. So I was like, well, I'll come back for the food in a few minutes. So I went back down the hallway and my coworker is just sitting at his desk eating. And I was like, hey, did you say something to me? And he was like, no. And it didn't sound anything like him anyway, like not at all. So I started feeling pretty weird, and the next few days I hung around that room trying to 
trying to rationalize it, like seeing if I could hear voices through a vent or something. And no, it was, I heard what I heard and that just didn't see anybody there. So, but the fact that it was intelligent and observing what I was doing and just like, you got a key was really thrilling to me. And then I have a second thing that happened kind of in the same time span. And it happens to have something to do with the little bathroom that I was talking about that was on the kind of almost across from the cafeteria room where I heard the voice. So this was at lunchtime again. All of my coworkers were sitting in our office down the hall, eating lunch, talking. I went down the hall to use the little restroom. And when I was done, I was trying to open the door and it f- I thought someone was pranking me. It felt like someone was holding the door shut. And it wasn't like when you haven't unengaged the lock from the strike or whatever, The it was a springy feeling. So I definitely thought that my coworker or somebody was playing a trick on me. So I was like pushing against the door and there was a little bit of give. And then finally, like I burst the door open and nobody was there. And I ran around the corner down the hall. No one was there. I go into the office, everyone's just sitting at their desks, chatting, eating lunch, and I'm like, okay, somebody's playing a trick on me, but I can't see them. (laughs) So that was the only thing that ever happened to me, though, while I was there, those two things. But I I find them so funny and, and interesting. They're my favorite things that I've had happen. Yeah. We find them funny, interesting too. You got a key. <laughs> it's very scary stories. Yeah, dude, you know? it does remind me of a classic, classic tale. What was the one with the? Because those all come from folk legends and stuff, mm-hmm. right? The toe, the toe in the soup, or the missing toe, or yeah, do you have my toe? Those great. The for people who don't know, the '90s collection of those those great stories with the really creepy, cool illustrations mm-hmm. that were drawn. Yeah, I was just going to have a just this quick quote here. This is from a guy that worked at this crazy facility. By the way, we'll have a picture of it in the show notes. Castle-looking thing. I guess that building is gone now that we're the main castle part of it. But place full of violence for sure. One guy who was quoted as saying, and this was right after a worker there was murdered by one of the psychiatric inmates there, forensic patients. He said, quote, Like all five California state forensic mental hospitals, Napa State Hospital, where I work, suffers from a plague of violence. And that was from the Sacramento Bee. But yeah, what a crazy place to work. Yeah. A lot of history. It sounds like whatever that was, that voice, that common idea now of summoning energy. Like you said, it sounded sludgy. Like yeah. it was trying, like almost gathering energy in the atmosphere. That's what I was going to mention earlier. Ryan me the story we did, the story from Lil. Yeah, manipulating the atmosphere, the energy. Fascinating. Thank you so much for that, Jolene. Yes. She's got some great stories. I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to her stories in the future, too. Absolutely. So many guys out there have amazing stories. Thank you so much for sending them in. And thank you so, so much for supporting the show. We have some select members, as we heard some earlier, who support the show. really keeps going. We also have the Black Eyed Cool Kids, who are special members that give us a little extra to help keep the show going and help keep the lights on. Is that the $7 tier? That is, John. Yes, if you want to hear your name read at the end of the show, that's uh, our Black Eyed Cool Kids tier. For those of you who signed up before March and have not heard your name read yet, we will get there. They're coming. They're all on the chain. Every time we do a show, you'll be there. Yes. No. <laughs> that was bad. Great theme song, John. Cut, Can you put some out. 90s like saxophone behind that? We'll make it a theme song for the show. Cut it out. By the way, guys, we do really funny outtakes. Usually, so funny at the end of every episode, almost every episode. So, well, lately, stick yeah. around f- till the end because they're hilarious. They're so funny, probably the funniest 
of the things. They're really funny. We may or may not have them in this episode. Did anything funny happen in this episode? Uh, a couple of mysteries. Something funny happens every episode. But go back to old episodes and, and listen all yeah. the way through again to the well, end. I think we only started this like a few episodes ago. <laughs> True. Maybe. Because we used to have funny things throughout the entire episode. Anyways. Then back, we had to get it tight. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. About reading the bottom top. Coming to town. Thank you, Eric. Geibel. Hey, yes. or Giebel. Welcome in, sir. We like to have you here. Yes. Stephanie Arellano. Yes. Or Arellano. You are special for us. Welcome. It's fun to pronounce things. Angel Pligo Pl- Pl- is here. Yes. Angel Pligo. Shield us from all evil with your wings. Thank you, Angel. Yes. And Andrew Weckenheiser. These are hard today. <laughs> Andrew Weckenheiser is here. Thank you so much to be here. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the hole. Next, we have Diane Carolunas. Welcome, Diane. Yes. Shine your moonlight on us. Please do. Carolunas. Lunar lady. Well, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, you are recording it? You know, it's still going. <laughs> I just, right Working now. Working out the kinks. Yeah. All right. It's a new system. Who's next? Who's next here? Welcome, it's happen again, Greg too. Beckman. Gregory. A man of many Becks. Welcome in, sir. We love you. You are a champion. Yes. Thank you for your support. Pamela McLean sounds like a female detective from the eighties. Pamela right? McLean here, see. I was thinking of Bruce Willis's character from uh, Die Hard. John yes. McLean. That might be awesome. Why? Yes. Welcome, yes. Pamela. Thank you so much for your support. Happy yes. Christmas, yes. 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 Johnny is yes. happy Christmas. Happy <laughs> Kaya, mother. There it is. There you go. Happy Christmas. <laughs> it's all. It's a Christmas movie. That's why Christmas not right for film. Welcome in, Johnny. Johnny's here. Welcome to the whole Johnny. Here's Johnny. So great to have you. That's my password for everything. That's true. Lock it in. Password saved. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac Noguerin. Welcome, Isaac, sir. Or Noguron. Terrific yes. name. Yes. Sounds like a satellite of a moon. Great to have you here. <laughs> Anne G. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Anne G is here. Welcome yeah. in, Thank Anne. you so much for supporting Anne the show. Anne or Give her a banana. Never met a girl I didn't like named Anne. That's true. Allison Sweeney. Yes, Sweeney. Allison Sweeney. Like the That's quartet. a cool name. That is a great I name. I feel like it's an actress's name I've heard. Yes, Sweeney. Well, remember the movie with the cut the, the barber that cuts people's necks? It's a musical, yeah. Sweeney Todd. Oh, that's what it is. Anyway, I'm sure she gets it all the time. Allison, you're a unique individual, and we appreciate you for you, not a musical relation. Yes, DJ Motherfucker Smith. DJ Smith is in the house. DJ Smith. On the records, playing your favorite songs. Scratching the vinyls. And of course, we have Ooh. the legendary John D. Mysterious. John D. Rockefeller. Oh, you know, I was going for the uh, occultist. The alchemist? Yes, alchemist. All right, welcome in Garrett D. Bodnovich. 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 Garrett D. Bodnovich. What a great name. Or Bodnovich. Welcome to the hole, Excellent. Garrett. Yes. Welcome, Jake McSpadden. McSpadden. Yes. That is a wondrous name. Thank Love you, it. sir. Thank you. Welcome to be here. Reminds me of a fly swatter. Sure. Okay. But like your Mick Splatton. I just what a great name for an Irish fly swatting company. Mick Splatton. Yes. <laughs> this is so, so bad. dumb. That's the worst. I'm sorry, Jake. Welcome, Tim Osman. Tim Osman is in the house. We are glad to have you here. A man from Oz. Thank you for yes. coming. A wizard, if Please you Please take your shoes off. Welcome, Matthew Toth. Matthew Toth. Welcome. Welcome to be here, Matthew Toth. Yes. Thank yes. you so much that you're here. And last and definitely not least for today, <gasps> some amazing, amazing people. Oh, my gosh. Abram and Leah Palmer. All right. Children of one of our best friends, Brad. They're they're little babes. Yes, Yes. the brilliant Abram and the beautiful Leah. Oh, that's so cute. They're growing so fast, though. Hi, Brad. I don't know how they got access to a credit card and could find our website, but we appreciate it. (laughs) Abram and Leah, thank you so much. Great family. Yes, great people. Hugs from the hole forever. Thank you to everyone who supports the show. You guys really keep us going, and we we mean so much 
you mean so much to us. <laughs> like, words so, that I'm trying to we say. We mean so much to you. We mean so much <laughs> to you. a lot you. of verbal you know vomit it. during the uh, thank yous that happened. That was very scattered and that disorganized was. because... We had issues with the music a little bit, trying mm -hmm. a new system, but we're getting there, huh? It's mm -hmm. only show number 289 or something. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so what happened, John? What's in the news? I got a text, an emergency text from my landlord. Oh, oh really? Huh? They, they're contacting me because they need to sod the lawn. <laughs> Emergency! <laughs> I, 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 every time I see her, I never know what's coming. So Yeah. One of the drop-in type situations. Is she one of those yeah. people that say, hey, I need to talk to you about something? Yep. And then I you're hate like, that. Yeah, and then Just you're tell me what you need to talk to you right. about. Yeah. She's like, can you please call me? I'm like, it's is the worst. it important? Are you kicking me out? Or Are we what's going up? on? Yeah. Listen, yeah. I really it always sounds like it's going to be way more dramatic than it actually yeah. is. She's like, there might be someone coming to do the weed whacking. I'm like, why couldn't you just text that? There might be someone coming. <laughs> to do it's the not weed even like a I'm just giving an example. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, podcasters problems, huh? Oh, I hope you guys enjoyed a halfway to Halloween episode. Special I was going to say that we do outtakes at the end, but <laughs> this true. is too late to this say because <laughs> they're almost there. Stick around for 20 seconds always, after the music we starts. We always drop that in earlier if yeah. you want to say it. Okay. We're going to say goodbye. Yep. yep. Are we still on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did we say last? We hope you enjoyed the special extra, extra Extra Spooky. episode of Strange Listener Stories for Halfway to Halloween. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you to everyone who submitted because these were some, this was a fan, pretty fantastic uh, list today. I'd agree. Oh, and hi to everyone in the chat. Oh, yeah. That's a little meta, but since this is a premiere. That is a little meta. Right? Hi, people. Hi, guys. I'm saying hi to you here and we're also saying hi to you live in the chat. Isn't that yeah. weird? Hey, Jeremy, say hi to the guys in the chat. Hi, Jeremy. I'm typing now. Hi in the chat. I hope I'm not taking a bathroom break or something. That's going to be funny to my future self. <laughs> right? <laughs> John is laughing now. We're sending future messages. Well, isn't isn't time cool? weird? Time so weird. Anyway, so yeah, tune into our live. If, <laughs> if you're not watching now on, on live, on YouTube live premiere, which by the way, isn't us. It's just the episode being premiered, but we're in chat with you guys. If this isn't happening in real time right now, if it's not 8.30 p.m. Eastern or 5.30 p.m. Eastern yet, go to our YouTube and get ready because this episode will be premiered and we'll be hanging out in the chat to chat up with you guys, answer questions, and also hang out with all the awesome people in the Beliefful community that, that goes it's there. It's way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Right? I yeah. think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's almost like it's a social Yeah, it's definitely... Thing. I've never been in like a chat before, but it was fun. Tons of fun. So, and even if you hear this... Because I'm the star. If you, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening to this episode now, uh, like as it just came out on audio and it's not yet, we haven't done the premiere yet, uh, it's worth hanging out anyway, even if you heard the stories because you get, sure. get the chit chat. Actually, when we did the last one, it was a pretty complicated episode. So I didn't even listen to the episode. I was just mm -hmm. chatting with people yeah. the whole hard time. To do, hard to do both. It was just a fun like live hangout chat yeah. with the episode going on This in the should be easier to, to listen passively. And, and like talk about the actual right. stories going on. But anyways, yeah, check it out, guys. All right, guys. We'll, be there. we'll see you there. Happy Halloween halfway. And that's it. That's it. So we'll see you next time. Sometimes things just end. The Remember that? Oh, what was that? That gets it. Sometimes things just end. And then it ended? And then turtles in space. It's always sunny. Oh, that's right. Sometimes things just oh, that's right. end. <laughs> okay. told me not to worry. He said, seems like the spirit was a local Hawaiian female spirit that liked you, eh? <laughs> the Canadian. Hawaiian Canadians. <laughs> uh, yeah. He told me not to worry. He said, seems like, and if she wanted to hurt you, 
It would have. Well, that skipped a whole line. <laughs> Seems oh. like the spirit was a little. <laughs> Seems like an issue. <laughs> Sense it makes. Okay, let's do the fucking thing. I did have uh, my own scary story last night. Do you need to talk about this now? I had a dream last night that a mouse like ripped open part of my arm. It was okay. freaky, dude. <laughs> and it terrifying. like hurt so bad. And I remember thinking like, I just canceled my health insurance. This is not going to go well. <laughs> Wait, so it was a mouse. There was parts of the dream too where it was like haunted. Like it was like a the dark. The mouse was haunted? Well, that was later on, but <laughs> it's all part of the same dream. Uh-huh. Someone wants to say that right now, we can just pop in there. John, if you want to say, oh, by the way, we do sometimes have outtakes at the end. Oh, by the way. We do, we sometimes, oh, by the way, we do occasionally. <laughs> you say it like you saw this something exciting. And the outtake will be the outtake. <laughs> it feels awkward not saying. We could do the three, two, one, belief hole. See you next time on, on belief hole. Don't get it. Get it. Don't worry, your body feels so tired. Just close my eyes and think of you